And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my counterpart, Joe DeLeon. Good evening, good sir. Like we might have, actually not might have, we have the most impactful game of the season that's being played this weekend. This is the most important game of the season. This whole, this game is going to completely rework, and obviously I'm talking about Michigan-Ohio State, going to completely rework that college football playoff map. I, I'm starting to kind of figure this out. I don't know why it took me so long to get to this point, but the gravity of what we're talking about today is pretty big. Yeah, look, this is rivalry week for many. You know, you have this game, which a lot of people believe is the biggest rivalry game in college football. And then later on in the show, we'll talk a little bit about Auburn, Alabama in the Iron Bowl. So two massive uh, rivalry games, two that completely feel different than the other. Oh, my God. Um, but if you ask anybody in the state of Alabama – they were more worried after Auburn lost to New Mexico State than if they would have beat them. So, with that being said, we got a lot to discuss here tonight. What's hilarious, and I, I know that Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State fans are going to completely disagree with this thought, but one would assume that Michigan-Ohio State would be the closer game of the two that we're discussing today, but there's a very realistic chance that Michigan-Ohio State ends up being lopsided in one direction and Alabama-Auburn ends up being close. Like, that's something that we need to, to really come to grips with here. I mean, it would not shock me. Right. It would not shock me, but I do think both of these games are going to be closer than – are going to be close. I shouldn't yeah. say closer than people expect because Ohio State and Michigan's only a four-and-a-half-point game at this exact moment. Nevertheless, we will talk a lot about that. Listen, got a lot of Michigan fans mad at us. Uh, in reference to what we said last Matt night, at you, Matt, at you mostly. I, I, I mean, I'm. Which I story. don't. Which I, I didn't get. I just pointed out the fact that he hadn't looked good the last two weeks. Meaning JJ McCarthy. Yeah, has I mean, he it's, looked good the last two weeks. Yes or no? He has not, and it's just the typical spat that we get into with with fan bases that when we're realistic about a quarterback's performance, it usually is painted as we think he's the worst player to in the country at his position that he's incapable of winning this game. Look, JJ's done some great stuff, but we got to be realistic here. If he plays a bad football game, they're getting dragged down. You got to hope that you get last year's JJ McCarthy in this matchup and not the ones that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. Also, uh, it would appear that the last 24 hours of my life, all that I've been doing is battling pac 12 fans. So you have been, well, I did. I mean, they started it all. I mean, listen, I have not once this season gone on social media or on this show and say Bo Nix is ass. But when you call out Jane Daniels or Michael Penix or whoever it may be and you call them ass, we're going to have issues. And, and you, by the way, by the way, yeah, let me look in the camera when I say this. If you're going to bring up race in reference to why I quote-unquote don't like a quarterback, what are you talking about? Like, then it might be – don't leave that shit at the front door. Don't so bring dumb. that in here because I will so obliterate you like I did to uh, whoever the guy was in our comment section. What Was it somebody in relation to Penix? Or, or yeah, Bo somebody in reference to Penix saying that, well, if, if Penix were white, Blake would like him. And I'm like mm. – Joe, let me ask you this question. When have I said anything negative about Washington offensively? 
No, no, it's been all defensively. I pe- people will say what they want to say and paint the pictures that they want to paint, and it, it is what it is. I will say though, this morning, Blake, I thought that it was just hilarious that you know I, I'm groggy as hell in a completely different time zone in New Jersey right now, and I'm just trying to wake up very slowly and I'm scrolling through Twitter and every other post is you quote tweeting someone that that was why I tweeted about how it looked like you were going to war with every single Pac-12 fan it was Oregon there was an Arizona State guy that you were going to war with which was hilarious I just thought that was perfectly fitting that this whole season you've been trumpeting Jaden Daniels and it's all come down to now which is a a, a huge battle for for you supporting your guy he, you'll have another big game this weekend you know, there's nothing – Bo Nix would have to run for another four or another uh, 900 yards for him to get to touch Jaden Daniels. It's just not happening. So, we'll, we'll see. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We'll give you our top ten, our power rankings uh, here tonight as well. Speaking of Washington, I did move them up after a um, a interesting win. I'm not going to say a good win, but a, a, a win nevertheless – uh, pushed Florida State back a little bit because of the Jordan. Justifiable. Um, and here's another thing. I hate when people come in here and say we don't do our research. Dude, we watched the game. We were live tweeting it during the game. I don't know what you're discussing in reference to that, but we'll give you our power rankings. Ohio State versus Michigan, that one in the big house, and then we got the Iron Bowl to, to wrap it up. So, Joe, we got a lot to discuss. I think this Ohio State-Michigan game we'll talk about for a good while here. Because it could arguably be the biggest regular season game that we've had of the year. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Use that promo code. Sign up today. Get 50% off your first deposit on, on that welcome bonus by using that promo code BELIEVE. Uh, Joe, so let's do that. Let's talk about our good friends over at BELIEVE. Let's talk a little Ohio State, Michigan. We do that next. Everybody hit the like and share. Share to all those groups on Facebook. If you hadn't subscribed, do so already. And wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. Ben Online is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live, in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. AG. We're back. You're going to say it, aren't you? I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Texas is on upset watch against Texas Tech? No. Oh. I'll say I it. Stumbled, I stumbled upon a Texas podcast today. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm sitting there listening, and I – Continue to hear their radio guys, podcasters, whatever, say, yeah, man. I mean, I know it was a 10-point game, but we pretty much blew out Iowa State. Dog, it was 6-3 at at halftime. What? Yeah. That the game was never really in question. I'm like, "Um, okay, well, they punted, okay? You scored, 
All right. Then they scored and then you punted and then they had an interception on a play. I mean, look, it, it just, you know, if I, this was Iowa, Iowa State, then yes, by definition, that's a blowout. But you're the University of Texas. You're supposed to have one of the most explosive passing offenses in the country. And you got held under 30 points. Under 30 points. Look, to I'm defense, it's not that great. I, I said this, I said this yesterday. The map to slow them down is so visible now that um Jonathan Brooks is out. Right. You play that three three five stack or an iteration of it, you keep everything in front of you and you don't allow them to get beat over the top. It, it's not hard to slow them down. It's it's really not. It's not, and it'll be interesting to see how they do through these next two weeks now. I will tell you, the Big 12 still have, for that second spot. It's still wide open. Yep, a lot of things can happen in this last week, so we'll wait and see how that Big 12 uh, championship game rounds out this weekend. Joe, let's get to it. Ohio State and Michigan in the Big House, the Big House this weekend. Uh, Joe, this is one of, I, I will just say, even as a guy that's from the South, I've lived in the South my entire life, It would it, you could make the argument that Ohio State and Michigan is the biggest rivalry in college football, okay? Maybe not in all of college athletics, meaning it's more mainly just always football that this game is reverberated around. I think we're in store for another very close game. I know this is going to sound stupid and it's going to sound crazy. Like, no duh, Blake. This is what every game comes down to. This We're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. versus Prather at Michigan. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about him probably going up against Johnson on the outside. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things that you can talk about in this Ohio State and Michigan game. One thing, though, that I think whoever is the better quarterback – on Saturday, they're going to win because I see a lot of these uh, these teams in a very similar light, a very similar light. I think they have a lot of the same accolades defensively, but the only thing for me, okay, is watching a lot of Ohio State film today. I'm going down and I'm watching. I'm like, man, they're not really running the ball as effectively as I thought that they could. If they're not able to establish a pretty strong running game, they're 84th in the country, tied for 84th, I believe, in rushing yards per game, only averaging 4.3 yards per carry. If you're not able to run the football successfully against Michigan, Michigan's secondary has been good. We saw them back, you know, really get tested last week against Maryland, and they're going to have a very tough test in this Ohio State core. But, man, you're going to have to run the football effectively in this game and I think that they'll be able to find a way to do that. I think that this is a close one, but I feel like, as crazy as this sounds, Kyle McCord has been more steady, okay, at Ohio State than what J.J. McCarthy has been over the last three weeks. Now, I know that McCarthy apparently had an ankle injury, but it doesn't yeah. stop the fact, even if he is banged up a little bit, McCord has played better to him, than him this season, right? Like, this season, right. McCord has been better. I think you bring up a really good point, first of all, with Ohio State's run game. Since Travion Henderson has come back and been healthy, they have really picked up a lot of juice. They have. That, that how they run the football, I think, plays into this. You brought up the J.J. McCarthy discussion, and there were a lot of comments on the reaction that we did yesterday talking about that. A lot of people are like, oh, well, he's banged up. Almost as if it was an excuse. 
if the kid's banged up and that's the way he's playing, are, is he going to be healthy for this game? The point, Joe, than what we were trying to make last night in reference to him not playing good the last two weeks. Right. Healthy or not, he's making mistakes and he's not playing clean football. If that version of J.J. McCarthy is the one that's going to be on the field because he's battling an injury, all the credit to him. I love it when guys fight tooth and nail to stay on the field. I think that it's a huge rallying point for a team. But if he's going to play that sloppy and he can't drive the ball, which kind of seems like that's part of the case here, that's a concern. The quarterback play is something that I I strongly considered for what's going to be important for this. McCord provides an advantage for Ohio State because of what you just said. He's very steady. I mean, he's king check down in a way where he's going to take the the simple throws when they're there. He's not going to take a lot of risks. And in some instances, that that stalls the offense a little bit. And I think that Michigan, who's just so stout in their secondary along their defensive line, this isn't a game where you're going to win by just taking the easy throws. You're going to have to take some challenging shots. What I was really hung up on, though, Blake, and why I think right now I'm leaning Michigan, not a heavy lean, but I'm leaning Michigan, is that these two teams, both really good on their defensive lines, really good linebackers, both of these teams. But one team has a more experienced and statistically better graded offensive line, and that's Michigan. Not by This isn't like a, by a significant margin. I'm not sitting here saying that, that the Ohio State offensive line is washed. I'm not saying that. But when it all comes down to what one of the most important primal things about football that we can always point to in a close Big Ten battle is who wins the line of scrimmage. And Michigan has the edge right now. Plain and simple, before this game is played, Michigan has the edge because their offensive line is more experienced. It has been more consistent. And we saw that when they're cooking, what they can do. Even when J.J. McCarthy plays bad, they ran all over Penn State's defensive line, which is pretty good. Okay. You bring up the point in reference to McCarthy and and this team and and the more pieces around him of why you think they would win. McCarthy's ankle injury has nothing to do with his decision-making. None. And the the throw that he had in the red zone and the one that he had before that is very bad decision-making. That is not an ankle thing. He threw in the double coverage, and the ball got picked. I think you bring up an interesting point, but I'm going to throw this out there to you. Why did Michigan get away from McCarthy throwing the football? Some say his ankle, but they're still run. They still ran him. He still had eight carries in that game for I think 46 yards or something like that. No, you're right. The right side of your offensive line was getting beat. Specifically, so, their their right tackle is the specifically one their right tackle. Yeah. You, you. I don't know that they superiorly have the better offensive line here. Now, I do think that they run the ball at a more effective rate, which I will sit here and agree. But I think both defenses are very stout. I think both secondaries are very stout. I think Ohio State's a top, you know, secondary in the country statistically, and then followed by them is Michigan, which by the way is tied with Louisville of all teams and Notre Dame. But I I look at this, Joe, and I just ask the question, okay, have we seen McCarthy? Like, I wrote this down. I just want to make this known. McCarthy in the last couple of games, yes, has not looked great. He went, I think, six of eight, seven of eight against Penn State, six yards, eight carries, 34 yards, whatever it was. I, again, don't remember. 
But, Joe, in these big profile games, not named Ohio State last year in the second half, I mean, look how he did against TCU. I, I do question when he faces a defense like this what he will look like. Like, ha have we seen J.J. against a really good, good, it's a good it's a very It's a very good point. Have we seen him perform at a high level? Now, I've seen Kyle McCord against a very stout Notre Dame defense. We just talked about them being the second-best rush defense and pass defense. Like, Notre Dame does not allow you to run the football. It's the reason that they're tied for two. The bottom line for me is kind of simple, all right? I've seen McCord get tested, and I told you a couple weeks ago. Now, look, I said that Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't deserve to get his name or be a part of the Heisman discussion. Last week, he had three catches for 30-some-odd yards, kind of taken out of the game. But if if Ohio State's going to win, it's going to come on come off of him. You're going to have to find ways to get the ball down the field to him, okay, mm -hmm. in multiple ways. Michigan last week, okay, they did some good things. They had a couple of picks. Number zero had a couple of picks. Looked good. I also saw Prather and Johnson on one-on-one -on -one coverage get beat by a wide receiver core that is not better than what Ohio State has. Cade Stover is another guy that I look in this game that I think can have a really big impact from front to bottom. But both teams have are going to use their tight, tight ends a lot here. I agree with you on one thing, though. I don't like for Ohio State that this game's in Michigan. I, I, I really don't. Because everything that is building around Michigan, all the crap that's building around Michigan, them being on the road, okay, is... Why I don't favor them. Now, I'm not going to make a pick here tonight because I'm still working through that in my mind. Mm. But I, I just – I say to myself, can Kyle McCord go on the road and beat a really damn good Michigan team? I don't know if he can. Like, I, I just don't. Well, so this is where I'm kind of at right now. I, I, I think that the quarterback situation really heavily comes into play with this because this isn't C.J. Stroud. This is Kyle McCord. I really do believe that him being a much more steady player is an advantage because, again, as we've reiterated this multiple times, J.J. McCarthy, if he has a bad football game and he starts to slide like he does, he's he's one of the few guys that I just don't do a very good – he doesn't do a very good job of recovering. He, he really does not. When he starts playing bad, he plays bad the entirety of the game. He'll make some recovery throws, but he still continuously makes mistakes throughout games. That does provide an advantage for Kyle McCord. It also provides an advantage that you just talked about that he's been a little bit more battle-tested. We've seen him step up to the plate against Notre Dame, against Penn State, not making big-time important crazy throws. It's not like he's making Drake May, Caleb Williams types throws, but he still converted and, and was able to get first downs in situations where the game was on the line. That's, that stuff deserves recognition. I think that is important for factoring into this game. But if he plays in totality the game that he played against Notre Dame, that version of Kyle McCord, that's not good enough to beat Michigan. I don't think that it is. They advantageously were able to win that game because of the ineptitude, the ineptitude of Notre Dame's offense. And also, let's think back to why they were able to beat Penn State, because Penn State's offense was garbage. They couldn't move the ball. Drew Allar played terrible. I'm just a little bit wary here that our perception of Ohio State might be a little bit altered 
because they were in matchups where they were able to take advantage of some really bad offenses. And I understand that Michigan played Penn State, but I feel like, and Ohio State fans aren't going to agree with this, I feel like Michigan's win over Penn State felt a little bit more dominant than Ohio State's did. Yeah, because they ran the ball right at them. Yeah. But they, that's what they had to do to win. I, if Penn State had any semblance of an offense or could have scored at any semblance at all, okay, I do think Michigan's in trouble. Yeah, obviously. I mean, because they threw the ball eight times. Now, I keep hearing – here's the other side of that, talking about the other quarterback. I hear from Michigan fans, oh, well, he's been dealing with an ankle injury since week two. Well, why is it just an issue now? His ankle injury has nothing to do with the decisions that he's been making, mm -hmm. right? It also doesn't change the fact that you have a Mbuka. It doesn't change the fact that Marvin Harrison's on the outside. They have not seen a receiving trio. I'll throw Stover in there like this. Now, if if Maryland can get off on them, what what allows me, Joe, to believe that Ohio State cannot do that? That's again. This is all kind of factors into why. I, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not heavily leaning one side. I'm not you heavily know what leaning. It's interesting. What? Go look at the scores of these games. These defenses aren't the first time that they've been this good. It, it's not. What do you mean by that? Go look at it, like how highly, how highly scored upon these defenses have been in this matchup over the last ten years. It's right. not a nine-six game like we had with LSU and Bama. In 2011, that's not the team. That's not what we've been getting. I think that Ohio State has a serious matchup on the outside with him. If they do push Mbuka to the outside and Marvin Harrison being there, there's a big time mismatch, a well, massive mismatch. But, but part of what gets what deservedly needs to get brought up here is that most of these receivers were the same receivers last year. And it they, doesn't. It does not matter what. I, Everybody keeps saying, well, that, that's what they were last year. I'm saying that this matchup has the receivers in the corners that faced off last year. Most of them are the same as this year. What I'm getting at, and I'm not saying that this is a reason to support Michigan further. All I'm saying is that we've seen this matchup before. But I'm agreeing with you here. If Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka, they don't need to go off and have like the craziest games of their careers. But if they play the I way disagree. that we know that they can, which is combining for 200 yards receiving, they win the football game. It all comes down to what they do because if you can, well, they start can do it. If McCord is on, if plays the way that he's been playing, he can do it. I just am so fearful that I feel like he is not a guy that likes to take shots and be aggressive. I just, I feel like that he doesn't. I, he see. I don't want to say. Well, skittish. I mean, Marvin Harrison has a lot of big time fade route catches in the back of the end zone all year. He does, but we hey, also so have a number. We also have a number of games, though. We have a number of games, though, where he has like three catches for thirty yards. I'm not saying he's got a lot of them, but he's got a couple of games where his no, stat that line is tight. That doesn't match. That's not McCord. Marvin that's Harrison. not Marvin that Harrison. But no, that's Marvin Harrison. If he's not throwing Marvin Harrison the ball, doesn't mean that he's not taking shots. We've seen him take shots to other players. That's I don't agree with that. No, I don't he, agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. I, I think that the Indiana game is a perfect example of, of Marvin Harrison not getting the ball and him being open. Joe, he was his first start ever. 
He didn't even he, know he was a starter. He played with him in high school, and he wouldn't throw him the ball. That's the guy that you go to. He played with him in high the school. Start that he ever had, and you're going all the way back to week one, like the kid hasn't progressed throughout the year. It's not like he's significantly, vastly improved. The fucking Hatton, Joe. He's taking I some steps it. forward, but we're acting like he's a few he steps forward. I I hate that this is your favorite team. What in the hell would you call that Notre Dame win? That's not a just small step I, forward. On I don't the think road. that anything and he did that in that game. And I just said this earlier. You mean he like the fourth and eighteen? We, we even said this after the Notre Dame-Ohio State game that if he plays that way against Michigan, they don't win the game. And I'm reiterating that point right now. We agreed on that back then. Well, yeah, because he damn near went under 500, but he hasn't been that bad. You can, and here's another cra crazy thing. The light bulb can click on at any time. The light bulb clicked on in that last drive, and he has not looked to that point. He has not looked as bad as he did in that first, in those first three quarters against Notre Dame. And we, you know that he hasn't. We, no, that's, we also have, what happened at the Wisconsin game? We all remember what happened in that Wisconsin game. He threw a game. touchdown to win it. He's. He still had more, uh, head, a number of head-scratching turmoil. Was it one pick or two picks that he threw in that game? That was one of his he worst games of the season. But, you, but you, I mean, it's like, okay, what about J.J. McCarthy? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that, that he's heads below J.J. McCarthy, but J.J. McCarthy has at least won this matchup before and played in this matchup. He's, Kyle McCord's never started in this matchup, so how do you know? That's what I'm. That's part of the point here. The quarterback matchup is very important. But okay, we can't. So, you trust, we, so basically, we, what you're saying is you trust. Uh, uh, not, what's his name? I'm, I'm not McCarthy over him. I'm not saying that, but what I'm trying to get at here is that there is not some vast difference between the two of them. They both have their own problems, and I at least have a game where JJ McCarthy dominated last year and played his ass off. I do think that McCoy. I do think that McCarthy presents. Um, more a more dynamic, uh, playmaking aspect than McCord. I, I won't deny that at all. I'm not gonna deny that. I don't think that you can deny that. He has played better than him throughout the year, though. Vastly better because he's got more uh, attempts. He's got uh more yards. He has more touchdowns. And to be honest with you, they're tied in interceptions. And McCarthy has. Damn, almost a hundred less attempts. Because they don't need to throw the ball as much. Doesn't, they're going to have to throw the ball in this I, one. I, I have you, to wait. Wait. I have think, to. We have to bring up though. Do you really the, think that Michigan is just going to be able to run the no, ball? No, like no, they no, did? no, no. I don't think so. And I think that there's going to be an emphasis to to load the box and slow them down. But we got to admit here that the way that they ran the ball against Penn State, they're not going to run the same way. But that's a pretty good shade of that. If if for whatever reason the passing game isn't opening up, I'm not I, obviously if JJ McCarthy throws multiple picks and shits his pants, it's a completely different conversation. But if they're not finding the success that they want, we know that they have that in their bag to to run the ball aggressively downhill. I can't say the same thing about Ohio State. They can go multiple tight ends, pack everything in, heavy formation. Downhill. It sounds I, like I you're picking Ohio State. I said this when we did the. No, I, I I'm not. But to but I'm not not picking them. But I'm not picking them. Okay, I don't know okay. who I'm picking. But I, 
Joe, what I what I think is happening here is I think that we both agree on the fact of that both of these teams are remotely like really close. I mean, look, the truth is because it's a four point game. So what am I being told from a Vegas line standpoint? All right, home field advantage is a th- is three points. So basically, you're putting this as a one score game, right? One like point that, game, or one yeah, one point game. Excuse me. Okay, I, I don't think that. Look, Michigan has not faced a team like this. I don't think Michigan's really tested enough at this point to say, "Hey, this is going to work. This is going to work. This is going to work." No, because quite honestly, in the last two weeks. I, I, where I could make the argument that you f- face, I think Maryland, as an example, is one of the better teams that they saw on the road. Yeah, now, I know that they're at home, and I, I get all of that. I get all of that. All I am saying is, is I've seen Ohio State get battle tested more. I feel like than Michigan, and I feel like if this is going to be a close, game, let me let me give an example. Okay. You know how when that game against Michigan and Penn State, it was really close, and you just kind of felt like there was no way that Penn State was going to be able to go down the field and score? Mm-hmm. Ohio State can go down the field and score on you. They they can. And you know what else? I think Maryland exposed them a little bit, that what they have on the boundary. Do you believe that McCord's not better than the Tagovailoa kid? Because I do think he's better. He, he is. I am not okay. a Tagovailoa fan. Also, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong here, Ohio State has better weapons on the outside than Maryland does. Yes, obviously. Okay. So, you're not going to be able to just bully down like you did against Penn State. And to be real with you, when you need to go down the field and score to completely – completely closed the game out against Maryland. Again, one of the better teams that you saw. Well, here's one thing that that that's very important for the Maryland game and other games this season. And it, it go, comes to play the Penn State game, all this stuff. Ohio State's offensive line does have weaknesses. In the interior, at center, I like Simmons, the the one tackle that they brought in. I think he came in from San Diego State. Was a fan I of his film so, yeah. as a as a draft prospect. But they do not have the same caliber of an offensive line that they had last year. Last year's offensive line put out three guys to the NFL that are all playing really damn good football. Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson, Luke Whipler. They're all playing at a really high level. The guys that have replaced all three of those positions have not been at that same level, nearly that same level. The rotation capability and the guy, they're, they're too deep with NFL players, NFL starters on that defensive line. Mason Graham, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore, I could go on and on. That group is really freaking talented. And while their their secondary has been inconsistent, Will Johnson is still probably going to be a top 50 pick in, in next year's draft, not this upcoming draft. It doesn't matter if they're struggling to keep up with Abeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. because there will be plays that they hit home and they hit home for big sacks. I don't know if I can say the same thing that Ohio State is going to have that same level of ease going after J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> that happened in the Maryland game. They're going to put, put 44 on that right tackle, and he's going to eat. He's going to eat. It's a fair point. Okay. It's a fair like, point. But we saw – my point is here is that we saw in this Maryland game, yes, there were all these big chunk plays, and you're just like, how the hell did they get this ball off, and how is this guy this wide open? And then the ensuing play – they're all over 
Talia Tagovailoa's ass. Like they're up his but, ass but, in a but second. But he's not. But those same things are not going to happen with McCord. I don't think because I think he's got better personnel around him. He is nowhere near as elusive as, as Talia Tagovailoa. At least Sounds he can great. try to Sounds evade. Cute. But he also doesn't have do uh, the uh, offensive line as bad as Maryland's either. So again, Maryland's offensive line's not good, but like they're not dumpster bad. They're not what they're not horribly bad. We do have a super chat here from yeah, L70 says, that. Joe, watch Michigan's O-line. They are horrible in pass. I think he's trying to say pro and aren't that good at run blocking either. Barnhart is trash and Keegan is a liability. I don't disagree on the pass protection thing because, yes, we saw the issues that they had against Penn State, which is part of the reason why they just completely abandoned throwing the ball. They didn't want to get J.J. McCarthy killed. I disagree on the run blocking stuff. I, I have watched a lot of their uh, – way too much of their film uh, evaluating some of their prospects. And, and look, the the interior of that offensive line is just really physical. They, they are so downhill. They're, they're built to just physically overpower – Michael Hall Jr., Tyleek Williams are two of the best defensive tackles in the country, so it's not going to be an easy task. But we can't act like their their run game their their run blocking has been bad. Alex says I can tell that Joe never has watched Ohio State's D line Sawyer and JTT on the edge, and then Mike Hall and Tylenol Williams <laughs> uh, the- is what he says. Not me. He calls them Tylenol Williams of the middle freaks. Tyleek Williams really random fun fact. Um, he randomly I'm, I'm gonna show- call him Tylenol from here on out. You remember this though over the offseason. I posted it on my Twitter. If anyone wants to go uh, go dig for it, I might resurface it. Uh, I posted a video on my other YouTube channel breaking him down as a prospect. I think he's gonna be a top 50 kid this year, really good football player. But, but he showed up, he showed up in a live stream later that night That's right. to question our analysis on him, <laughs> but which we were very, we were very like highly praising him and i was really confused i was like i was like yeah what? like he was like hey bro this sh- this shit's ass and then you commented like hey man i, I- i'm saying that you could work yourself into the first round what are you talking about and i'm like oh <laughs> hey, my he God. wasn't a full-time starter last year so like my whole it was right. just really funny i was just like all i was saying is just need a little play a little more and he'll be a first round but look i have watched this group i like michael hall i like tyleek williams um JT Tulamoyla, a very talented football player. I'm not before coming off that. They're going to move him around, man. I'm telling you. And you know what else? Can I tell you what else? I do think that 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 Ohio State secondary is highly underrated. Highly underrated. Uh, we're yeah, not talking I, about. I would give, concede that we're not we're not talking about them enough. I, again, we talk about so many things with Ohio State, right? And w- one thing that we're not talking about, Joe, their pass defense. They're number two. Like, I mean, they're the second best. They they're second best in the country in passing yards allowed. Denzel so, Burke doesn't get a lot of love, and I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Latham Ransom. He's very rangy player. Uh, I think he's done a lot of really good things this year. But it's it's having versatility is what what's made them so good. And frankly, there's not a lot of great receivers on this Michigan team. There's not. We'll see how that transpires. What I'll say is this in ending, I don't like this game's in Michigan if I'm an Ohio State fan. I, I, I yeah. absolutely hate it. All right. Let's uh, thank you, Elks, for these super chats, my man. We greatly do appreciate it. Thank you, Elks. Let's transition to uh, the Iron Bowl. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. The Iron Bowl. So many crazy things have happened during the Iron or at the Iron Bowl all these years. Mac Jones coming in for Tua, the kick six. Bo Jackson highlights. 
So many different things have happened in the Iron Bowl. Joe, this rivalry is the ultimate neighbor versus neighbor. Your neighbor could be an Auburn fan. You can be a Bama fan, vice versa, whatever it may be. This is one of, and arguably is the South's deepest rivalry is these two. I got to tell you, I know, and this is going to be crazy for me to say, because I just got done watching Auburn versus New Mexico State film. I'm so sorry. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, there's a splattering on the way in the Iron Bowl. But then I remember, you know what? Brian Harson had some really bad teams. Some really, really bad teams. And they kept some of these games close. But I don't think the country is talking enough about what Jalen Milrow has done in the last three weeks. He has been, since the bye week, since the LSU game bye week and that dynamic, they have figured something out offensively. And defensively, they've gotten better for it. He has almost 900 total yards, meaning Jalen Milrow, and 13 touchdowns in three games. The kid is going absolutely bananas. While I do think this game can be close early because I think it's a very heated rivalry game, nobody likes anybody in this rivalry. And I do think that Hugh Freeze will be able to conjure up some things early offensively. Jalen Milrow on this offense has found some things. And I do think that at the end of all of it, 10, 14, 17 points, I think Alabama is going to splatter them in the second half. And because of the lack of depth on Auburn, I think it could have the potential to get a little ugly. So, Blake, I really wanted to come in here on some bullshit, man. I really wanted to come in here and, and go on a whole tirade about how Alabama is going to lose to Auburn. But I, I'm not that much of a hack. I, I can't do that, Blake. I just can't. We look at these two teams on paper. This game's going to be a blowout. They're going to get boat raced. Auburn is going to get boat raced. I think that if we look back to two years ago when this game was close with TJ Finley, that roster wasn't a good football team, but it had more talent than this current Auburn team that we're watching. I Their offensive line is bad. They've got no receivers. They've got holes all over their defense. They've got two nice players. I think Marcus Harris is a fine player. DJ James at corner is a nice player. But knowing what Alabama does well, which is smother you and attack you defensively, lock everything down with two elite corners. They don't have anyone that's going to separate on Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry. They don't have anyone that can block Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner. There isn't a shot in hell that this game is going to be close. I, I agree with you. Sure, it could be close in the first quarter, but it is going to get ugly quick. It is going to get so ugly. And I'm telling you right now, there is not a single rallying point when you lose a game as bad as New Mexico State. There is nothing, nothing you can do coming into practice that week that's going to say to yourself, we got to put that behind us. We're going to, we're going to use that as a motivator. That's embarrassing. That's one of those things you show up to practice that week and you're like, God damn, we lost to New Mexico State. That's in your head the whole week. And it's going to come into the week going into this game. Their confidence is shit. I, I completely disagree with you. Because How do you rally around that, man? Well, let me tell you this, okay? People say I'm ultimately biased, okay, about my school. 
So let me do this because the Deep South will remember this. Since I, I'll do this as to make myself non-biased. LSU lost to Troy in Ed Orgeron's first year and then turned right around and beat a top 15 Florida. And went on the road. That's a good point. Okay. I also, believe it or not, we just got done talking about Ohio State and Michigan. I saw Appalachian State beat Michigan, and that same Michigan team have 10 wins. Auburn was coming off a three-game in-conference win streak, and I think it kind of got to them a little bit. And I do think that there come, there does come in a in a transitional year, in a new year under a head coach like Hugh Freeze, shit like this is going to happen. Bama fans will remember this because the entire state of Louisiana won't let them forget. In Nick Saban's first year, they lost to UL, a ULM. And then, you know, with the rest was history. Yeah. And I almost tweeted this out, but I didn't want to get Bama and Auburn fans in my mentions. The last time that we saw a coach lose to a G5 team in year one was Nick Saban. Right. So this is going to be the worst team that Hugh Freeze has. They're not going to win. I, I don't envision there being a way in them winning. Bama is going to come out and play man-to-man, bump-and-run coverage on the outside. They're going to stack the box because there's only one thing offensively that Auburn does well. Joe, they're, believe it or not, they are a top 25 team in rushing offense this year. Yes. They yes. have been good at running the football. But Bama's secondary has been so good at times they're going to play bump-and-run man-to-man, and they're going to say, hey, Peyton Thorne, Ashford, whoever is going to play, Rudy Pooh, at quarterback, it doesn't matter who's going to be back there. You're going to have to beat us by throwing the football, and that's what Saban's going to do. But I think that Auburn can run the ball early because I think they're going to come out lit. I've seen this same exact Auburn team, okay, at home, go up against Georgia and, and stay around. Okay, that's a good point. All right? They are a very, very hot and cold team. Where they will be, they will offensively be like, God dog, they are running the football at an effective rate. The next week, you're they're playing New Mexico State and they're getting splattered. So I will just say for me, I think the ultimate separator is gonna be that Milrow is gonna start using his legs and they're gonna, you know, the old the million dollar band in Tuscaloosa is gonna get bumping, and that's gonna be all she wrote. Okay. But in this rivalry game for me personally, I think mm. it's a 10-point game late maybe into the game, and then here's going to come the onslaught. I, I, I will continue to say this, and it's in no benefit to myself. Everybody wants to be wants to clown on Jalen Milrow. Oh, yeah, well, he can't throw. Oh, well, yeah, he doesn't process well. Joe, I got to be real with you. That's cool if you want to talk about him as a prospect moving forward. But here's what I know. They are running their version of a triple off an, uh, triple option offense. Let me explain very, very quickly. Mm. They're going to zone read, do the RPO behind it. It's what they've been doing the last three weeks. And then they're going to give you a hard play action. Somebody's going to go over the top, which Jalen Milrow does very well, and they're going to take the shots deep. They did it against LSU after the bye week. They did it to Kentucky. They did it against Chattanooga. They have – Tommy Reese has found something that Jalen Milrow can accomplish. And I will be real with you. If that kid gets in the open field, watch out. 
We're not talking about him as just a college quarterback. You hated Stetson Bennett, right? Like you are not a. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't say I hated Stetson Bennett. I would. Okay, it's just a different enough. discussion about his legacy that I didn't agree with most. Okay, there is a thing that people have to understand in reference to a good college quarterback can be a good college quarterback. Yeah, I've always said that. I've he always is, said that. I'm going to say it. He is playing at a level that if he were, if you would not have just seen the first half of his year, you would say, "Man, that he might not be able to throw at an effective rate." But dude. They are well, they are getting better offensively. I I still stick behind the fact that if we look at the totality of the defenses that he's played, now he's got confidence. I think that like that's the the advantage here for them is that they offensively have. I mean, confidence. Can, you think that Mark Stoops does not have? I know Kentucky has no faced. dudes that he's faced. Like he's not going up against defenses that are that are consistent or. We saw him separating from Harold Perkins in the open field. I would call him a dude. But he was able to perform the way that he did because of all of the other defensive issues for LSU. All I'm saying, I, I get it. We're going to really find out who Jalen Milrow is when they play Georgia. I just want to hit up a point, though, here before we get to our top tens. I think that to paint a possible picture of Auburn somehow finds a way to keep this thing close and win this game is exactly the way that that Auburn-Georgia game played out. They have to, have to, have high, highly successful rushing plays. They have to pick up a lot of big chunk plays and, and just churn out the clock. They also need to find ways to make Jalen Milrow make, mista make mistakes. Because if they get a short field... That's what they need to do to score. I don't think that they can string together multiple long drives, and that's what hurt them from being able to finish that that Auburn-Georgia game. If you can get a couple of short well, fields, yeah, and there was that's no, how you get in that position. There was a guy named Brock Bowers who said, not not today. Right. Here's a here here's Look, we'll talk about this game in nauseam next week, okay, the SEC championship game. God, it's going to be a fun show. I, I'm just going to tell you, Listen to me. I have seen this story before from the from the little man. You can, if you want to, you can say whatever you want about them as a team, and that's fine. Look, offensively, they're in the top fifty. They're at forty nine. Uh, passing offense, they're sixty uh, sixty second. Uh, rush offense, they're forty third. But here's the big thing: scoring offense, they're in the top fifteen. I don't care what you look like if you're scoring the football. Okay, yeah. now the I, I will. They are seventh offensively in third down conversions. Joe, yeah. they have they have been. This is happening for more than a, pretty much since Arkansas to some extent. They have gotten better there. I've seen this from the little man before, and people can continue to question Alabama all the live long day. Good luck, because you I, I, again. If you don't believe it, go back and look at the years and teams and quarterbacks. That yeah, but they didn't had. face Georgia. They didn't face this Georgia team. Yes. Man. Who they did they did. face that's as good as this Georgia team in those years that you're referring to? It's called 2011 LSU, which I will make, I the, know, make a strong argument. Joe, they had 19 defensive players that got but, drafted but, in, the front, in, the, in the top three, three rounds. I've seen it from him before. The bigger issue here, and why, I, and and again, we're probably going to dive super deep on this next week. At the end of the day, 
this is not a good matchup if we compare position groups and offensive and defensive strengths and weaknesses. For I, both don't of this team I don't disagree with that because they have not have not. What has led to their success running the football is they've had success running the football, but they have not encountered a defensive line this freaking good and a secondary this good. They just have not. And that's where this, this thing could come short. I don't disagree with you. Doubting Nick Saban tends to not work. And I tried to do it against LSU. It didn't work. And everybody keeps coming up my ass because I keep it. I get it. Okay. Very funny. Everybody keeps coming at me because I keep doubting Nick Saban and I keep doubting Alabama. But at the end of the day, we have to admit to ourselves, matchup on matchup, there is a pretty noticeable difference between these, these teams in certain areas. Yes, I said coming up my ass. Should we hit the home field read before we get to top 10? <laughs> you might want to hit the home field read. Hold on, hold on. All right. Aaron, Aaron says, Joe, don't be a hater. You know them Buckeye coming. Oh, no. Oh, H. <laughs> That's even worse with me saying, oh, my God. Uh, I didn't even know that he said that. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you. <laughs> Rafino and Joe show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best without a doubt premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan, maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan, whatever it is, even Idaho. They have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff. Make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. You get derailed way too easily. <laughs> I, but, I mean, you just said it so forcefully that I couldn't um, not laugh. Good point. All right, here is your top 10, Joe. This is always brought to you by our good friends over at Homefield Apparel. This is Joe DeLeon's top 10 power rating. Read it off, bud. Number one, we got Georgia, of course, number two, Michigan, number three, Ohio State, four, Washington, five, Florida State, Oregon at six, seven, Alabama, eight, Texas, nine, Missouri, and 10, Louisville. I really don't have one issue with this one, Joe. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, we're pretty much the same here. Yeah, we're uh, debating just, semantics here if we're going to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe yeah, we'd be really these. fighting semantics. I have Georgia. I mean, look, we just got done talking about Ohio State and Michigan. I put Ohio State at two this week because I did not like what some of the things I saw against or saw with Michigan against Maryland. Now, here's one that I know that you'll love. I put Washington at four, Florida State at five, which I'm sure we could, should talk about a little bit. Alabama at six, seven, Oregon, eight, Texas, nine, Louisville, and ten, Mizzou. 
I think. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just say that this is gonna be one of those ones where I think where we really disagree. I think that the one talking point here is the fact that we both moved Florida State back, and I. When I posted my 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 graphic earlier, I was kind of expecting some Florida State fans to push back. None of them did. They'll probably push back in the comments on this video. We have to acknowledge here that I think it's it's not unfair to move them back. Washington won a big game. They've got a number of, of ranked wins now, and that's a pretty impressive win in my eyes. But separate from that, we, we have to acknowledge a backup quarterback that we need to see play first before we're willing to commit to him before we move them back up into that top four. We just we just got to be realistic here. Well, their argument's going to be that Tade Rotomaker um, had a couple of drops against North Alabama. I don't care. That I, I think that that's a little bit of the point that your offense is off when he's throwing the football. If you're having drops. Now, do I think that can get cleaned up this week? Yeah. But he's going to start this week in the swamp. And I think – Joe, I think this one, one, I think this is a game that we got to talk about this week, okay, because of the the magnitude yeah. that comes with this. Pause. But I, I do just ask myself, if he goes on the road, okay, and has a good performance, I would feel better. But I, I need to see more from him. Jordan Travis was the heartbeat of that team. If you don't think that Jordan Travis wasn't the heartbeat of that team, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Right, we so, like everybody. It's okay to be optimistic, about, you know. Well, they can talk about stats. They can talk about oh, well, he wasn't running as effectively as it, maybe he yeah. did last year. Whatever he's not throwing. Whatever you want to say about Jordan Travis, cool. It sounds good to me, man. But he's the heartbeat of that team. He is the straw that stirs that drink. And if you think taking the biggest playmaker off of your team. For a guy that we have not seen this late into the year, yes, I have questions. I have massive question marks. Now, let me end this now, okay? If they win the next two weeks they are, they deserve, and they are undefeated, they deserve to be in the playoff. Yeah, because they get an added ranked win if they beat Louisville. They, absolutely. They – they belong in there because realistically they're you're going to lose teams in the conversation and the teams that I'm talking about either Oregon or Washington <clears throat> excuse me could get bumped out of that convo Michigan or Ohio State could get bumped out of that convo and then Alabama could get bumped out of that convo so and they I have all the right to be in there I got to be real with you Texas right. can also get bumped out of the convo and frankly look we got to be honest with ourselves Texas is the weakest of the one-loss teams. I, I think they're the last team that deserves to. You don't get think in. Texas could beat Louisville? I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Well, here's a whole nother thing, I, and I know that you hate this because you were texting me during the Miami game saying, "I I, I shouldn't have let you convince me to pick Louisville," and I they wound up winning. I might add, and I yeah. saw them, you know, have a three-point game against Florida State the week before. I, Joe, I know they're at nine. They're going to be nine, ten, whatever it is, okay? But if they win the ACC and they're a one-loss team, you're going to have to have a conversation. They would you're need a little to, help. They, they would need some help. Of course they need help. Of course they need help. I think they're on the outside looking in. But the bottom line would remain, okay, let's just say, for example, all right, Oregon beats Washington, right? And you got Oregon, who, which I'm not going to debate here, Oregon would is better deserves to be in in the playoff over Louisville, but the discussion would have to be had if you have two one loss 
Power Five champions. Here's another discussion. You can have it with Texas. You could have it if Bama wins out. And you would even have to have a discussion about Georgia if they were to lose to Bama in the SEC championship. Uh, I, I don't think – I think that the one team that can lose and still get in is Georgia. I, I really do. That I think Georgia's been so impressive, and I also think that – But you would have to put Georgia over a one – the only team that that could happen to would be Louisville. The only team. What do you mean, what do you mean that – Because – I don't know if they would if they would put in Georgia over Texas. If Texas, I, I think that they would. I, I think that there's maybe, been enough evidence. I test wise, their worst loss is not a bad loss because it would beat Alabama. Uh, true, true. I, I, again, true. But look, next year we're not going to have this situation because everybody's going to get in. You know. No. Thank but God. see, this is what makes the playoffs so goddamn good. It makes these next two weeks playoff games. There's a playoff game, okay, in, in, in Ann Arbor. And the next week, there's a playoff game in the Pac-12 championship game. There's a and there's a playoff game, game in the ACC championship game. There's a playoff game in the SEC. Yeah. Okay. There's all. I, I know you're not. I know you're going to kill me. I know you're going to kill me. Because Iowa is going to get blown out by whoever they face. But on paper, that's I, I guess that's a playoff game. I guess. Sure. 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 Right. But, oh, man. This is why, Joe, I keep, I keep getting asked, what, you know, would you love the, you know, do you love the playoff expansion? This is why I say no. This exact reasons why I say no. I disagree. I think that it makes it more fun because not only do we have no, we have, we have playoff games, odd playoff games, because now the the future is going to be the next two weeks are going to determine the important seeding, and then also teams that are like sitting at fourteen and, and thirteen and whatnot are going to need to win these these rivalry games to get get in, and then we have another round of playoff games. But but to end it here because I got to roll. But to end it here, okay. It's do or die. It's do or die for everybody. You don't have do and die situations in these conference games next year. Fair point. All right. See y'all tomorrow or Wednesday. Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning at nine. We'll see y'all then. Peace.